Hello, and welcome to the Good Life Community Church podcast. Wherever you are listening, we hope that you'll be encouraged, challenged, and that you would hear the invitation to be a part of the transformative work of God. This episode is from our Father's Day gathering, where Mike shared a message called, I'll Lift Your Arms Up. Well, how is everyone today? But really, how do you actually answer that question? Because don't we have a funny thing in society and culture where in Australia, part of our culture is we walk up to people and we say any number of different things. It could be morning, g'day. But one of the more common ones that we say is, how's it going? And when you're walking past someone and you go, how's it going? And they go, How's it going? That's the answer. We both just say, how's it going to one another? And that feels completely appropriate because that's just what we say. We're walking past someone and say, how's it going? How's it going? We don't stop and say, hang on a second, mate. Just come back here for a second. Just how is it going? Because that would be a bit weird, right? But this happens to me a fair bit at the center here. People walk past and go, how's it going? And I never quite know what I should say. I go, how's it, good, good. We just say good, don't we? Because for a split second, we have to decide who's the person asking me, how's it going? Does anyone know what I'm talking about? Because if I'm having a bad morning and the guy that just came out of the gym says, how's it going? And I go, oh, well, you know, it's been a tough morning, you know, uh, here's what's been going on for me. That guy's now freaking out and going, this guy needs help. And I'm not the guy to do it. I'm not the guy to help him. And every now and again, I say to someone, hey, how's it going? And they decide to stop and tell me. And in my head, I'm thinking, ah, uh, yes, I did technically ask that question. In all transparency, I probably wasn't wanting to know. But out of habit, we say this, and we have a day coming up in our nation, Are You Okay Day? Well, when we ask that question, are you okay, it will not be a colloquial Australian funny social dynamic. It will be a very serious, are you okay? In which we all make a decision and a choice to slow down because when we ask that question, the stakes may be very high. Someone may say, hey, I'm doing okay. And someone may say, I'm not really doing okay. And in the last couple of months, I've asked that question to a couple of people, but seriously, and they had the courage to actually say, I'm not doing okay. I'm doing it tough. Today's Father's Day, and Father's Day means a whole bunch of things for different people. As I want to acknowledge that today, for some people, there's some grief attached to what this day represents. And for some of you, it's just, I'm just going to scoot through this day and do whatever I need to do to distract myself. Uh, for some of you, you may be coming to terms with the loss of a dear father or someone in your life who was a father figure. 
For others, this is an incredible day of celebration. I just saw Levi at the back walking him with his new little bubba. And I went up and gave him a hug and just went, mate, happy Father's Day. And it just felt so joyful and, you know, life and newness and goodness. But then I'm aware, and isn't this just how life seems to work, that at any given moment of joy and celebration for one person, someone else is perhaps grieving and suffering or someone else is quietly processing something that's happening in their life. Like in my early 30s when it was Father's Day, and I was part of leading church services, but internally when we celebrated and we told the stories and we, we gave gifts to the dad, I had that part of me wondering if I would ever be a dad. And it's the same for Mother's Day. When a Mother's Day would come around, and if you've heard our story before of infertility, I used to watch Teresa courageously stand through our service, worship God with all her heart, knowing that the deep longing of her heart wasn't being fulfilled. And then she'd walk up to everyone else who was celebrating, and she'd throw her arms around them, and she so graciously and lovingly loved them and celebrated with them. I saw how she interacted with new mums. I remember the day we got in the car. She just bawled her eyes out, just saying, how long is it going to happen? And it just feels like this is just the real tension of life in any given moment. This morning, I was just reflecting on a couple of funny things about being a parent because my son, Jacob, we, we, they brought me out and they said, all right, Dad, we're going to bring out the presents. And they loaded me out with different gifts. And Jacob was so excited to give me this particular present. And he came out and he goes, Dad, open this up. And I opened it up and it's a miniature fan. It's about this big. And you sit it on your laptop. And, it, and you can sit in front of your laptop and you can be cool, which is a great gift for the Sunshine Coast. And I just went, mate, this is awesome. And, he, and I said, how did you afford that? And he said, oh, <laughs> in classic Jacob style, he said, well, I didn't have the money, but the lady said, no one wants it, so I'll give it to you for five bucks. He was like, yes. So he gave it to me because no one else wanted it. But he knew it was a great present because he saw something that someone else didn't see. Actually, it's a great present. I was actually like, this is brilliant. It's many times I'm sitting in front of my laptop and I'm like, ah, it's a bit hot here and like a nice little fan will be just perfect. I was reflecting on the day that, or one of the first days I realized, gosh, being a parent is challenging. I didn't have Teresa around, and to any single parent in this place, I salute you and say, you're phenomenal. Because sometimes I think, how do you do it by yourself? Like the day I was driving in the car, and our house back in Sydney, to get out up onto the highway, there was a whole lot of swirling streets and hills, and it was quite a, uh, a journey. And we had little Jacob. We'd recently brought him home to our family. He was between one and two, I think, from memory. And he didn't handle the car too well. And we're driving off to go to someone's place, and he vomits all over the back seat, all through his car seat, just like everywhere, projectile, like back of the seat, it was just everywhere. And so I pull over at a set of um, 
street shops. And I just look at it and I think, oh man, where's Teresa? <laughs> I can't do this. And I seriously, I felt like I stood there for a long time, but in my head, I was probably only a few seconds, but I was just thinking, I don't even know what to do. And I got little Soraya, she's sitting in the front, and Jacob's crying and screaming, and so I just like, oh man, here we go. And I have a bit of a weak stomach, and so I just I undo the buckle, and I just start lifting him up. And I lift him up, and I go, I don't even know what to do with him. <laughs> I didn't have wipes. I didn't have the little pack that my wife always thinks through in advance. I just went, hey, we're going out, put the kids in the car, I'm a legendary dad, what could go wrong? Bit of vomit, a lot of vomit it was. And so I'm picking Jacob up and he's crying and I go, Soraya, I didn't have wipes and I can't leave Jacob here and go into the shops. I need you to go into the shops for daddy. And she just looks at me and goes, I can't go into the shops and I go, Yes, you can. I really need you to go in the shops because I don't know what to do at the moment. And so she's freaking out. She doesn't want to go in the shops. And I go, I'll watch you from here. You just go down there to IGA and you walk in and you just say this. You walk up to the lady at the counter. You just say, my brother vomited everywhere and my dad needs help. <laughs> and so anyway, she goes in and I told her, you're going to have to ask them for wipes and then say... I'll give you my card, you can do the tap thing. Anyway, so she goes in, she gets wipes, she brings them out, and I'm honestly, I don't know what to do. I just like, I'm just wiping up vomit, and I'm actually thinking, this is ridiculous. And I had to, I won't even tell you how we got back home, but anyway, because it's not a proud dad moment, but we got back home and everyone was safe, and I just remember thinking, far out, being a dad is, is, is challenging. Being a parent is challenging. And it reminds me of that famous phrase, it was the best of times, it was the worst of times. Charles Dickens, if I remember correctly, is that correct? Now, I wouldn't say being a parent is the worst of times, but I would say being a parent is better than I thought it would be and harder than I thought it would be. And in recent times, I've probably said a few times to myself, do you know what? I feel like I'm on a mission to help other guys who don't have support around them, to get the support they need to navigate all the different things that we have to navigate. And what I want to share for the next few minutes, really, I think it applies, and I hope it applies to everyone in here, but I am today specifically talking to guys in the room. A lot of men that I talk to don't have the support they need to manage the complexities of life that we have to. And as I think back over my life and the different battles that I feel like I've had to face, I think about the battle, it's 28 years of age, it was a first marriage. And for two years, I remember thinking, I don't know what's happening here, and I don't know how to navigate this. And if this is what it's going to be, then all right, let's buckle up and get ready for this, but this feels like this could be a long time. And then a couple years later, um, tragically, that marriage uh, ended, 
through a whole lot of pain and, and heartache. And I won't go into the details of that today, but I will say it's ultimately a gr- story of grace. But I was 30 years of age, and I hit a low that I wasn't normal for me and my personality. And there were days, I used to call it, because I saw a book title, which I'd later go on to read, by St. John of the Cross called Dark Night of the Soul. I think of that period in my life as like a dark night of the soul. Where I used to go home each day and I would be in my room and I would think, when is the sun going to rise again? Is the sun going to rise again? But there's something that helped me through that. When Teresa and I met each other again because we dated when we were in high school, some of you know that story, we got together and we got married and it was incredibly gracious and felt like a, a provision of God in my life when she came into my life and we began our marriage and we, we planted a church together and then we realized that we were on a journey of infertility and it felt like another battle before us of how do we navigate this? How do we navigate our expectations and our disappointments and the physical, emotional, and mental challenges of that era? But there was someone in my life through that season that helped me. I think about the time in my life, 2016 and 2017, where just when you you think in your life, hey, I've done my fair share of challenges, I've done my fair share of battles, and I feel like, God, um, I've got through them, and I'm a better person for it, and I've learned the lessons. Please, don't let there be more lessons I have to learn. I feel like I'm good. Let's keep going forwards. I even feel like I've got some stuff to share and encourage other people with. And then I went into a two-year journey, which I call really my second season of my adult life, which was a deep, dark night of the soul. I um, got to the end of myself. Um, After 24 years pastoring, I was exhausted and tired. And in the church culture that I'd been brought up in, The answer to deal with that is just have more faith. We never give up. We quote prime ministers who quote, not Bible verses, but passion and enthusiasm, which is appropriate at times. But man, I was tired. And we were navigating a whole bunch of complexities in the church. And then... We had, within two months, two major tragedies in our church of families that lost a child. And within that short period of time, I spoke to the eldership and the board of our church, and I said, I think I need my long service leave. And they said, listen, very wisely, listen, you've got plenty of leave, just have a break, and let's plan your long service leave into next year, and let's just create a a rhythm and a, a way for your family to be looked after. And... During one of our breaks was when one of these families so dear to us, some of our closest friends in the world, lost a child in a very traumatic um, way. And I didn't even realize in my body and emotionally um, how much I was holding while I tried to support and 
helping a, a church community and that navigate grief and trauma and pain. And I now know that I wasn't paying enough attention to what was actually happening inside my own body. And so then we went on leave and we actually came to the Sunshine Coast in 2017 for long service leave, to which I probably said 20 times, gosh, I could live here. You've got to say it 20 times and then it happens. Um, but I didn't know we would end up here, but during that time, and I, I feel like I found my second wind and then we went back home and I went, all right, I'm ready for another decade. And four weeks later, we got news of a family member of ours who was on a massive cancer battle. And then literally weeks after that, uh, Teresa's mum uh, had a, a massive stroke and we thought we were going to lose her and she managed to pull through. But I remember just thinking in the car one day, I'm a bit tired of all this. And then I was trying to navigate people in church saying, what do you think about same-sex marriage? What's our stance? Make a statement. And I'm like, go away. <laughs> and I was trying to navigate people in our community whose family members, this was their reality and their life. And, and there was all this complexity, you may remember, during 2018 when that referendum was coming about. And I'm a pastor and I'm caring for people and I'm thinking, man, this is very complicated. This is not as simple as everyone's trying to say. And I remember feeling utterly overwhelmed. And it was October 2018, I sat in my office upstairs, I was ready to deliver a message, and for the first time in my life, I was sitting on this seat, I can remember it, I can see it in my mind as clear as day, I sat there and I had my first ever panic attack. I didn't even know what it was at first. But it was my body telling me, you need a rest. But in that moment, all I needed to do was to remember the training that I'd gone through and start practicing that. So I started to ground myself and I started to breathe. And I remember saying these words, God, I'm begging you, please just lift this up off me. And it lifted and I went downstairs and I preached my heart out and did the service and all the things we do, and then I remember locking up the building at the end and walked out to my car, and I sat in the car, and I went to turn it on, and I couldn't turn it on, and I just sat there, and I broke down, and I just went, oh, man, I think I'm done. Now, that's what I felt, but I didn't know that I wasn't done because God's never finished with us, but I did need a rest, and I did need a break, and I did need healing. And you know how I got through that season? I'm about to tell you in a moment. And then we moved our family to the Sunshine Coast and you go, Phew, new season. We're so excited. I still remember when we drove through from New South Wales into Queensland and we took photos and videos, not while we're driving, but the <laughs> so I wanted to clarify because there's a recording of this, I don't want to find. Um, and we go, there's the Queensland sign. And we drove in, we were so excited. And we got to our property. And it was like a new era, a new time. And we were so excited. And those first three months were incredible, amazing. And we started coming along to this community and checking it out. And I was running a business at the time. And then COVID hit. And 
I went into a two-week spiral in April 2020 where all this anxiety came up and I remember walking along the Lulabar Beach saying, God, not again. Because we lost 90% of our business income almost instantly within a period of two weeks because of COVID. And we'd already set everything up, set the family up, kids in school. And I was like, man, this can't be happening. But there's something that helped me get through. And I want to read to you a passage of scripture today that captures what helped me navigate these different seasons of my life. And it's found in the book of Exodus. And you have to forgive me for the double S as this comes up. There could be some meaning to that. Could be subconscious, I'm not sure. But Exodus chapter 17, verses 8 to 9, and I want to read this to you. Now, the context is the children of Israel have left Egypt under slavery, under the Egyptian empire and Pharaoh, and they've begun their journey into God's purposes for their future and their life. And God has provided for them in extraordinary ways. Moses lifted up his staff and the waters parted and the people of Israel went across and they walked into what would be an unfamiliar place, but they knew that God's presence was with them. And now in Exodus 17, after going through a number of different trials as they journey into the desert, it says, while the people of Israel were still at Rephidim, the warriors of Amalek attacked them. And Moses commanded Joshua, who would go on to be his successor and lead Israel, he said to Joshua, choose some men and go out and fight the army of Amalek for us. Tomorrow, which by the way was a, was a common phrase that is often used in the book of Exodus, this word over and over again used to talk about this next day you will see God's deliverance. As you did in Egypt and as they continued to see God's provision, like when he provided food for them, they called manna. It was always a tomorrow. Look ahead to what I will do. And he says, I will stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God. That's a very important phrase to understand. It wasn't Moses' staff. The writer of the book of Exodus wants us to understand that the people of Israel understood this, and Moses understood this to be the staff of God, a symbol of God's authority, of God's power and presence in a physical form with them, a way of acknowledging that all that mighty acts tomorrow that God will do is because of God's grace and mercy and His power and His commitment to faithfully walk with us. And so he says, I'll stand at the top of the hill holding the staff of God in my hand. And then the next verse says, So Joshua did what Moses had commanded, and he fought the army of Amalek. Meanwhile, Moses, Aaron, and Hur climbed to the top of the nearby hill. And as long as Moses held up the staff in his hand, the Israelites had the advantage in this battle. But whenever he dropped his hand, the Amalekites gained the advantage. And verse 12 says, Moses' arms soon became so tired, he could no longer hold them up. So Aaron, 
and her. They found a stone for him to sit on. And then they stood on each side of Moses and they held up or they were holding up his hands. So his hands held steady until sunset. And as a result, Joshua overwhelmed the army of Amalek in battle. Now, a couple of things I want to mention before I respond to this. We don't live in an era as followers of Christ of these kinds of battles. It's part of the unfolding story of Israel and their history. The Apostle Paul makes it clear that the battles that we face are not against flesh and blood, but against principalities and powers that basically work against Jesus' followers fulfilling His purposes in the world. And His purposes in the world are to bring about the life of His kingdom of heaven on earth in the way of Jesus, the way of cross-shaped, sacrificial love. That is how we are to live. And we are to live out God's purposes in our life by living as disciples, apprentices, pupils, learners of the master Jesus. So that in every situation that we find ourselves, we have as our identity, I'm a follower of Christ. I'm a son or daughter of the most high God. God by his Holy Spirit is in me and he's transforming me and changing me to help me live out today his purposes in the way I treat every other human being that I come in contact in the way that I face every challenge that is in my life. And we have the comfort and the power of the Holy Spirit in our life to help us. But there's something in this story that's always struck me as a powerful metaphor and picture of what the church is meant to be, of what brothers and sisters in Christ are meant to be for one another. The staff is a physical symbol that represents that the battles that we face in our life, as we contend for God's purposes to be revealed and to be fulfilled in our lives, is a way of us holding up our staff and saying, it's not my might or power, but it's by the Spirit of God. Anything that happens in our life, we attribute to God's grace and His mercy and His purposes in our life. We say, I can't do today without your help, God. And in a sense, that's a way of us holding our staff up. And I'm not saying you have to hold up a physical staff. I'm not telling anyone, go and find staffs and start doing staff work and then build a Christian business where you sell staffs for people so that, because someone I'm telling you has done it. It's, you know, there's a whole entrepreneurial church word out there. Come on. Let's make staffs for everyone. No, you have the staff. It's the presence of God in your life. But metaphorically, we hold that staff up declaring God's work and partnership in our life. But there's another factor because when we follow Christ, it's not an individualistic journey. It's a journey in community where we become brothers and sisters with others, sometimes even the people we never thought we'd be brothers and sisters with. And we join and we link arms together and we move forward fulfilling God's purposes together. Because you are not created to do life alone. And I want to say this. The way I have got through each of the different dark night soul seasons of my life has been by metaphorically holding up the staff of God saying, God, I need your help. 
I need your spirit to empower me and help me and to guide me and to show me how to navigate this season of my life. But to understand that I need others around about me. And in every one of those stories I've told, and the one I'm about to tell you, there has been people in my life that have come along. Literally, someone said it to me once when we were going through the infertility journey. My good friend, Sheridan Boise, some of you will know, he said, in this season, I hold up your arms. Man, amazing words of comfort to know you're not alone. That the purposes of God can be fulfilled in our life as someone comes along and says, as you seek to fulfill God's purposes in your life, as you seek to partner with God in seeing what needs to happen, happen, I'm going to stand with you. And when you're tired and when you're overwhelmed and when you're struggling, I will hold up your arms so that God's purposes is a way of saying, I'm contending for God's purposes in your life. And so there's a few thoughts that I want to share with you because for me, this is a picture of this is church at its best. And this is Christ at work in our lives. And I want to share really quickly just a few thoughts with you. The first is we need to lift our arms in surrender to Christ. And today, I don't care who you are, what your background, church, not church, whatever. If you're struggling, I'm telling you, good news for you is there's a God Revealed to us in Christ who says, you reach out your hand, I've already reached my hand out first. I'm here to help you. I'm here to guide you. I've always been with you, even when you don't even know. I have never left you. I've never been against you. Even when you thought I'm absent or you're not good enough or you've lived the wrong way or whatever it is that we think in our heads, the God revealed in Christ is the God who we see is always with us. And it could be today your opportunity to say, I'm going to lift my arms in surrender to Christ and say, God, I want to receive what you've always been offering me. And I want to embrace that gift today. Someone else today, it may be time for us to say, I'm going to lift up someone else's tired arms today. Because I promise you, I ab- it's a fact that in this room today, there are guys in particular who are struggling and overwhelmed and they're not telling anyone because of dumb belief systems in our culture, of silly things that we've taken on. And I know this because I've thought them and I've lived this way. But by, by God's grace and friends around me, as Proverbs says, as iron sharpens iron, I've had my life sharpened enough by good people in my life to know don't be stupid enough to hold stuff to yourself. Because it only makes you go down that spiral of mental health challenges that doesn't help anyone. We need someone, and we need to make a commitment to say, I am going to lift up someone else's tired arms. And I want to give you a couple of tips about this, because how do we lift up someone's tired arms? Here's a couple of quick thoughts. Number one, it's like when Aaron and her gathered a stone and they said, sit down, we're going to hold your arms up. You come into someone's life, and the very first thing you do is you listen well. We're not very good listeners generally in our culture. You listen well, and you don't give uninvited advice. You just listen. Your presence with someone sometimes in and of itself can be a healing thing. The second thing is you ask 
What does support look like for you? Rather than tell them what support you can give them or looks like for them. Because well-meaning people give support to people that they're not asking for and they don't need and isn't helpful for them. Ask them, hey, what does this look like for you? And if I can't, can we help find some people that can help support you in this season? The third is be safe with information. When people share with you, hey, someone just the other day says to me, I'm scared to tell you, but I'm going to tell you anyway because I need help. And they told me what's happening in their life. I make a commitment to them. I tell them, listen, if something's illegal or of a nature, I'm just letting you know before you tell me, I've got a responsibility. But we're not talking about that, and I will go on that journey with you anyway, even if it is. I promise you that, because I've done that for three people back in Sydney who courageously told me something in their life. It meant we had to go to the authorities, but I went with them and on the journey. Because this is what God has done for me, and my friends have done at different seasons of my life, and we have to do this for one another. But I tell them, hey, I'll be a safe. I'll be a safe. This information stays here until we work out what's the next best right thing to do because we're about protecting and caring for people and helping them process and get the support they need. And number four, we remember God's staff, God's power and our part. Remember that the battles we face, we need God's help. And then we join together with God and we partner as brothers. We partner as sisters and we say we can do this together. It takes courage to ask for help. It takes courage. But when you do, man, you open up the opportunity for God's provision to come into your life. The next point is, let others lift up your tired arms. Sometimes we have so much pride, we don't want to let someone else lift up our arms. And there's been times in my life where I'm like, no, I'm fine, I'm good, I'm okay. Only to have someone say, really? Because they were courageous enough, they cared about me, they loved me enough to say, what's really happening? What's really going on? And the final thought is this, don't take your arm raises for granted. I'm going to invite the musicians to come forward. So in recent times, and we've shared a bit of this, Therese and I have been navigating a complex journey as parents. With one of our children who has special needs, and I'm telling you, our, our close friends, everyone knows this, said to some of our friends, I'm sick of talking about it, and I'm sorry we keep talking about it. And you know what my amazing friends have said to us? You can keep talking about it. It's okay. But when you think, oh man, this isn't going away. This is a challenge and this isn't what I thought how things were going to turn out and this is different to what I expected. I've had so many days in the last month where I've gone, I'm tired and I don't know if I can keep doing this. And Teresa comes along and lifts my arm up because we've got this phrase we use now from Brene Brown where her and her husband have this thing where they go, out of 100, where are you at? So she'll text me and go, I'm 10 out of 100. And I'll go, all right, I'm 60. Just come out of the gym. Maybe I'm 90. Yes. And I come home and I go, cool, I'll lift your hands up. And then days I go, man, I'm negative 10. She'll go, all right, I got 50. <laughs> and then we're both 10 one day. I go, let's work together. But then we have our friends who are journeying with us. And those friends who have committed to us, 
who we've allowed and said, yeah, okay, we need your help to raise our hands because we're holding the staff up and we're getting tired arms. We know God's in this. We know God is with us, but we're tired. And they lift your arms up and you know I can face another day because tomorrow we will see God's deliverance, his rescue, his support. And I just want to invite men today in particular to say, listen, is today the day to say, all right, I need someone to help hold my arms up. And if there's men in this place today, and it could be women, I'm just, I'm just talking, it's Father's Day today, who say, I'm going to make a commitment. Even when I need my arms raised, I'm going to make a commitment to be an arm raiser for somebody else. Because somebody else, I'm telling you, everyone at some point needs this. Thanks for listening to the Good Life Podcast today. Remember that you can stay up to date by subscribing on whichever platform you're listening on right now. We would love it if you could give us a like and follow on social media or even leave a five-star review. It all helps in getting the good news out there. You can also head to our website, goodlife.org.au or our YouTube for video content and resources. Until next time, peace.